Good morning. Oh, that's pretty good. My name is uh, LJ. If you guys are new here, just want to welcome you and thank you guys for choosing to be at the vault this morning. A lot of other places you could be. We are glad you were here. Um, we're going to be talking about a very general idea today. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. But we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 11, verse 29. We're going to start there. We'll give you guys a second to flip your Bibles there or touch a few buttons on your phone, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. The word is the word. So like I said, we we'll started at verse 29, and we're just going to kind of read a good bit here. We'll read this whole passage right now. Starting in verse 29, it says, By faith they crossed, oh, sorry, I lost my place. By, by faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the other prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. But other people were tortured, not accepting release, that they might gain better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, let it be your spirit that moves this morning. Let it be your spirit that convicts us, encourages us, empowers us through your word, through your living and breathing word that is active and powerful and can change lives this morning. In the name we pray. Amen. So yesterday was one of my favorite days of the year. Does anybody want to want to guess why yesterday was one of my favorite days of the year? Football. Yes, yes, the Panthers played football yesterday. I don't know if you guys know this about me. Most of you guys probably do. I love Panther football. Carolina Panthers all the way, every season, Super Bowl. Every season, Super Bowl. That's, that's my thought process. Right now, I saw Baker play one possession yesterday, and I'm thinking, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to win it all. Now, we have the same coach from last season, and I have this faith in this team every season, every, like, 
draft, everything. I'm like, man, this is it, man. We got the players. We got the team. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're winning it all. Same head coach. Last season, you can go back through my tweets. I called for his firing. <laughs> I wanted the job gone. I, I wanted him done, terminated, not to ever coach again. I was so upset. But we're going to the Super Bowl this year, guys. Same coach, same staff, everything. We're going to the Super Bowl. So I'm, yeah, yeah. You'll, in about like 10 to 12 weeks, when their record's like four and five, I'll be like, you know, we might turn it around. They might win some games right here and make the last playoff spot. And, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen, guys. And I'm, I'm all in. I'm thinking, like, well, what's going to happen? Like, this guy's going to come out and be a star. He's going to, like, turn up and get excited. And we're going we're gonna to turn it around. And uh, for the past five seasons, we haven't done that at all. But I'm still all in. And, and oftentimes, it's a funny story, and as you guys get to know me more, you'll, you'll know that Panther football is all I'm about, and I have faith like that for Panther football, but sometimes I wonder, do I have faith like that in Jesus? And do I, do I go in and look at my times where, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be a great season of life. I think this is going to be a great moment. Um, I think this is going to be awesome. And then down the road, things get tough. Do I keep thinking things are going to turn around? Do I still believe in the mission and the vision and what's going on in my life that Jesus is involved? Or more oftentimes than not, do I get discouraged and think maybe this wasn't the right plan? Maybe, maybe, um, maybe I don't have the faith in what's going on right now that I should. Um, and we're going to talk about faith a lot this morning. That's what we're going to dive deep into and um, to do that, we gotta we gotta have some context for this passage. So Hebrews is a very fairly large book for some New Testament books, and is a big buildup. So I'm just gonna provide a little background. We're gonna go all the way back to chapter ten. I'm not gonna really read it. You can kind of be in there and look. And I'm gonna kind of talk through it. But Hebrews was written probably around like 68, 70 A.D. Um, in the time of the Emperor Nero, who, if you don't know, was a terrible human being, absolutely awful, um, killed, tortured, did all sorts of things to Christians. And so during this time, the Jewish Christians that the author is writing to here are really thinking like, man, like, do we really, do we really want to like stay the faith? Do we really want to keep being Christians? Should we just go back to Judaism? Should we just go back to our old way so we don't have to face this persecution. And so Hebrews is writing a big message towards those people, and he's trying to essentially like call them to persevere, call them to forget about the old ways, how they don't matter anymore. And starting in chapter 10, like I said, this is one big build up to our passage. But starting in 10, he's going over and talking about the perfect sacrifice that is Jesus. And he's specifically talking about the way that Jesus has now broken the system of sacrifice that the Jewish people used to use to atone for sin, how Jesus has made up for all of that, how he is the ultimate sacrifice, how those things do not work anymore. They will not atone for your sin. These practices are broken. They're dead. They're gone because Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice. So he does that. He tells them that he's like, this is why we don't go back. This is the reason. And then a little later in that chapter, he calls them to persevere. It's a challenge. It's a call to action. He's telling these things like, hey, like, I know it's tough. 
I know you're suffering. I know right now is a very, very difficult time to be a Christian, to be a believer, to follow Jesus. But it's worth it because Jesus suffered for us. Jesus created something that's so much better for us that it's worth going through those sufferings, that it's worth going through those hard times. And I promise you in the end it will all be worth it because he has promised something so much better than what's on this earth. So then he gets into our chapter. He gets into 11, living by faith. Some call it the hall of heroes of faith. Um, It's an interesting chapter, and we're going to kind of dive in a little bit more even to what each kind of person is there for, you know. And he goes all the way to the beginning. He goes all the way to Abel. And Abel performing a good sacrifice to the Lord, one that came from his heart. He goes and talks about the faith of Abel, of Enoch. Enoch, who didn't experience death. He was considered a faithful and holy man and didn't experience death on this earth. Goes into Noah and building the ark, Abraham, and following the Lord's um, commands for leading his people and children and, and taking Isaac up on the mountain essentially to sacrifice his son. But Abraham, knowing that the Lord is so good and so mighty, that he can raise the dead, that he trusted him. If he had to kill his son, he would bring his son back. That God spared his son. Goes into Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who was way beyond childbearing years, way beyond, and trusted and had faith in the Lord that he would provide because he said he would. Then you have Isaac and Jacob, Joseph and Moses, constantly having their faith challenge, going through trials. And then we, then we finally get into our section of the passage. And I, I think where we're kind of in today, I think is, um, I think it's interesting because we're in the lectionary, we're in a series where churches all around the world are, we're going through this passage right now together. And I just find it in a way kind of, kind of cool that the first kind of verses that we have here, instead of focusing on the individual's We focus on the people of God. The first few verses there are talking about the people crossing the Red Sea, having faith. And then the very next one was the walls of Jericho, the people, the Israelites walking around the walls. So the people of God instead of individuals. And one thing I think we all do, um, we think we all read the Bible sometimes and think they're just stories. Not that aren't real, we all believe them, but they're so distant to us. We can read these and be like, it happened such a long time ago. How can I relate? How can I experience this or, or, or feel and understand this in a way that is relevant today? Um, there's a quick little story about the faith of God's people. And this is right here at the fold. So if you're new, if you came here at the middle of it all here, um, some of this will be new. Um, some of it will, you've been here the whole time, you know the story of the fold. Um, we started as a little house church, essentially, meeting in our fold groups, which start back this week, so I know you guys are excited, um, for a year. Because this building, this building right here, was considered an incredibly dangerous fire hazard for people to gather. It's not anymore. You guys are safe. I promise. If a fire happens, we can get out in time. I promise. If we spent all that money and that wasn't the case, we would be very mad. <laughs> So we spent a year fixing this place up. 
tearing up tile, concrete. We had a machine that like paved the concrete floors. And um, we were told by the guy that loaned it to us, very, very good old Southern guy, just good and redneck said, you stay in there too long, you might die. <laughs> we're like, what? So yeah, it produces carbon monoxide. If you stay in there too long, you're going to die. I was like, all right, cool. So did that stuff, got this place built. Starting 2019, you know, six months right before COVID. So that's our launch. We're a church plant. We launch in this building six months before COVID hits. As you can imagine, the idea of a church plant surviving through COVID isn't isn't uh, isn't probably strong. It isn't ideal at all. We go to our live services that we have on Sunday mornings. They weren't really all that live, just letting you know. But <laughs> I'll reveal the the mystery behind the curtain. Um, and then, in the middle of all that, our planning pastor has a moral failing and has to resign. As you imagine, that isn't ideal for a church plant. The staff, the people here are, you know, looking into it and thinking, was this a man's vision or was this God's vision? We're talking, we're, we're discussing, we're, we're thinking like, is this where God has us? Is this where we're really meant to be? Did God want this church to happen or did a man? And we trusted that it was God. We had faith and believed that God wanted us here that there was a vision, a mission in place that was unique to Greenville that needed to be done. And we decided we're going to chase after God and what he wants and try to follow it well. And it's messy along the way. We're humans. It's always going to be. But we're sitting here in 2022, somehow surviving COVID, our planning pastor being gone, and all sorts of other messes that I probably don't know about because we're human. And to me, that is... That is the faith of the people of God. That is a story that is relevant right now that I think we can all look at and think God is faithful. God is worthy of our trust. And then, so yeah, we're going to keep going right on through. And he says, what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, a bunch of other names. And in my mind, when I first read through this, I was like, you just listed off like eight other people. What's six more going to like? It's not that big of a deal, but whatever. So he names these. And as I'm reading and as I'm studying, I'm thinking, you know, this is the, the faith, the, the heroes of the faith. It's kind of what this chapter is known as in Hebrews. Like these are people who like have gone and done great things and the Lord used them in a mighty way to conquer kingdoms, to bring justice, to bring, you know, Israel back to the right way and all, all sorts of things. And I'm thinking, well, who, who's all here? If you'd raise your hand is an extreme person, like you're all in or nothing, but well, that's just, just the kind of person you are like about anything. See, I'm, I'm, I'm that way. I was that way when I was young. I remember, I know CJ like this. When I was real young, I wanted to try skateboarding and I like, I never touched a board in my life. And I thought I need the shoes. I got a ramp built. I did everything. I, before I even got on the board, and I, I'm a big guy, and I was big then too, so I'm like, I'm a, I'm a big kid, and and uh, I step on that board, I try to go on that ramp, I like face plant, and I'm, and I'm done, like right at that point, I'm like, I'm not good at this, I'm done, I'm not doing it ever again, 
I've been that way about everything I've done. I played baseball, loved it, was all into it. Dad signed me up for football one time. I hit a kid, and I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I stopped playing baseball, all in on football. So I've, I'm an extreme person to the max when it comes to being all in or nothing. And I look at, I look at my faith sometimes that way, unfortunately. I imagine a lot of us in here do too, where I may like be like, all right, it's time. Let me read the Bible every day this week. And I miss one day and I'm thinking, I'm done. I, I, can't, I can't do any more this week. I messed up too much. And it's funny, we have this, this, this heroes of faith passage. If you're going to go back to their passages and the stories that are written about them, every single one of them have done some awful things. I mean, David, for goodness sakes, was an amazing king. It said multiple times in Samuel that he was a man after God's own heart, had an affair, and then sent the woman's husband to be killed in battle. That's pretty awful, guys. I mean, that is literally some of the worst things that can be done. Like, that's terrible. Uh, So all these people have things that, in our minds, would disqualify them because we disqualify, disqualify ourselves from those things. Because we're either all in or out of it altogether. And this passage right here is essentially saying, I just want you to focus on me. Your mistakes, your failings, because they're going to happen. I fail, I have mistakes. I don't deserve to be up here preaching because I'm perfect or I have it all together. God has called me to be up here and that's why I'm here. For no other reason, because he's called me. the things that we struggle with, that we have issues with, that cause us to fail and and lead us down roads that we'd rather not be on doesn't disqualify you from faith. Jesus doesn't see it that way. The same God of the Old Testament, the same God in the New Testament, the God in the Old Testament that called these people, that qualified them to lead armies, to lead kingdoms, to bring a salvation to their people is the same God today that calls us into salvation, that calls us home, regardless of who we are regardless of the sin that we're struggling with. It doesn't disqualify us. We often get so stuck on the extremes and our failings and the mistakes that we think we can't, we can't be around Jesus. I used to think this all the time. I used to play drums every Sunday, every Wednesday, and I'd have a bad week, and I'd go to the worship pastor and be like, I don't think I can play this week. Like, I just don't, I don't think I can be on stage. I don't deserve to be on stage. And I fought that all the time. I still fight that. I'm an all-in person. I can, I can have a crappy week and think, man, like I don't need to lead people this week. So we want to get past that. We want to get away from that. All these things, these circumstantial things in our faith, these extremes in our faith, all this, all this buildup is leading to really, really to one thing. And if you go into chapter 12, Verse 2, right there. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Faith isn't having it together. Our faiths look very different because many of us come from different backgrounds. We've grown up different. We've experienced the world different. And so how we view our faith, how we view our relationship with God can be totally different from one another. And that's okay. Because the ultimate thing about faith, where our faith lies, how we spend relationship with Jesus, is having our eyes fixed on him. The sin, the circumstances, 
the other people we compare ourselves to, our lives, our friends' lives, and things we struggle with. They don't matter as long as we have our eyes on Jesus. A lot of that will handle itself. We get so caught up, focused on everything else that doesn't matter, that doesn't affect really our relationship with Jesus. And we ended up turning away and running and it hurts us in the long run. We want to keep our eyes fixed on him, focused on him. See, when our our planning pastor, Mitch, had to resign, he was like one of my best friends, my mentor. In my eyes, instead of leaning into Jesus, instead of focusing on him, I said, let me fix stuff. Let me try to get right. Let me, let me try to get the fold right. Let me work as hard as I can. Let me fix all this stuff because so much of my faith is usually based on me getting things to a point to where I feel comfortable. Then I'm like, Jesus, is all you. Getting to a place where I think, man, like, I don't know if Jesus can handle all this. Let me, let me work on all this. Let me get this right. And then I'm like, here, here you go. Here's my small problem now. But that, that summer, that day that happened to be my birthday was no small problem. It's something I still deal with, still affects me, still affects my faith in moments where it shouldn't anymore, but it does because of how traumatic and hurtful it was in my life. And we all have those moments. We all have things and issues that affect our faith and come into contact with our relationship with Jesus And we can either lean into him more, we can either buy in and say, Jesus, I'm turning this over to you. I can't do this, no matter my circumstances, no matter my all-in or not all-in self. Jesus, this 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 is something I'm surrendering over to you. This is something that I can't handle, that I can't do. I give it to you. Help me. Or instead, like I did for about a year and a half, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix these problems. I'm going to fix my own mental state. I'm not going to seek help. I'm going to let the circumstances and, and the things in my own life dictate how I view my faith with Jesus. I'm not always going to have my eyes fixed on him. I'm going to focus on the problems. I'm going to focus on what needs to get done. And the whole time, like what I needed was my eyes on him. And the problems would start fixing themselves. Jesus would start turning up in places in my life that, that I didn't expect. Because that's where he wants to be anyways. I'm going to kind of, kind of end with a quote. Um, just so happens that Spurgeon spoke on this exact passage. I ended up reading through the sermon. It was really, really good. Um, but he has a quote specifically about looking toward Jesus. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray. Um, we don't normally do this, and I don't, don't know why I feel led, but like this isn't really an altar. But if you need to pray, I want to pray. Like Feel free to come up here. Use it as an altar. If you need to talk to someone, feel free to talk to me, CJ. Um, yeah, I'm going to read this. And it's Old English, some of it. So 
follow along the best you can. So Spurgeon says, the Greek word for looking is a much fuller word than, he can, than we can find in the English language. It has a preposition in it which turns the look away from everything else. You are to look from all beside to Jesus. Fix not thy gaze upon the cloud of witnesses. They will hinder thee if they take away thy eye from Jesus. Look not on the weights and the besetting sin. These thou hast laid aside. Look away from them. Do not even look upon the race course or the competitors, but look to Jesus and so start in the race. What hast thou to trust to but his blood and righteousness? Beware that thou set up nothing as a rival confidence. Look off from everything thou hast ever relied upon in days gone by and say to thy soul, none but Jesus. Thou must have a single eye and a single hope. Christ is all, and he must be all to thee, or thou art out of the race altogether. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. The fact that you so willingly offered up your body as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be in relationship with you and have access to the Father God. And you didn't tell us to come to you, to chase after you when we fix ourselves, when we've turned away from sin, when we've presented ourselves in a manner that's worthy of you. No, God, you said, I have made you worthy. Come as you are. Jesus, I pray that we live with the faith that is focused on you, that our eyes are beset on you, and that we cast everything out. And I pray that we also understand that our failings, our mistakes, that the sin we struggle with doesn't disqualify us from that faith, from that relationship with you. That ultimately, all those things is the reason we need saving so bad, God. While we are so in need of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your salvation. And for us to think that we could ever get right or get to a place to where we can hand it to you, God, when you're all ready to take it from us when we're at the very bottom. When we feel like there's nothing left, how do you say that's enough? Jesus, move in this moment during worship. God, I just... I just pray that we have a faith where we can be bold. Where we can have a heart that's chasing after you like David. That we can have faith to know that the things that you've promised, the things that you've told us will come about even, even if it takes years, God. That even though through it all, we will suffer, we will fail, we will experience hard times, that faith doesn't disqualify us from that either. 
We must still live in this world that is rotten with sin. But Jesus, you offer so much more. And with you, all that is better. All that can be set aside because we know we have you and that the promise that you have given us is that one day we will spend eternity with you in heaven, God. So the suffering, the trials, the pain, God, it's all worth it because we get to be with you. I pray that we remember that. I pray that we trust that and know that it's true. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In the name I pray, amen.